the tee from Australia. Adam Scott. This is Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, good everyone. Welcome to the clubhouse. Officially Masters Week, Marco. G'day to you. How are you going? I'm very well, Jules. Very excited about what we're about oh, to see. Um, some of the best players on earth, poster boy types uh, yep. in the world of golf. All set to go. Uh, and I don't reckon we've had this many poster boys in form. Yep. Except for one of our own, Jason Day. A bit worried about Jason. Is what's he gonna going on? Don't know. He doesn't know. I saw a little article this mm-hmm. week. He, he, he does not know whether he's going to play. Yep. I reckon he'd make that, but make that decision pretty quick. Yeah, you know, if if it's mum in the background's going to uh, be playing with your mind, then do not play. Mm. Um, just get on with it. Let's yeah. get going. Yep. What One about the other? I tell you what, I've got a case of the Jordan Speeds, Marco, last Oi. year, hitting him fat straight. Can't the wedges a, can't get a wedge. Can't get a wedge. Oh, going. We need to talk about so that. We'll, have, we'll talk about that. Maybe an extended masterclass on wedges coming up. Yeah. You can't well, get it close from the fairway. There's something wrong, and there's something wrong with my game. Well, we'll so keep the masterclass in the same spot, but I'm, I'm very, very happy, yeah. and it's very easy to hit your wedges close. But you have to do three or four things, mm. and some of them's not anything to do with technique. So yeah. I'll get that going in a tick. We will. We certainly will. We're going to have a, a long discussion about uh, the Masters and some potential highlights yeah. from over the years. A few extra players moments. to have a look at as well. Yeah. Yeah, right. Good. Absolutely. Did you catch the World Match Play last week? Oh, the World Golf ever. Championship. There's, if there's one bloke right now who I would love to be able to hit a wedge, oh. <laughs> it's DJ Johnson. Yeah, he's good. And I've been noticing too, Rory McIlroy's wedges have come good yeah. uh, just in the last few weeks. But uh, Rory's dangerous around Augusta as well. And that's the last one he needs for the Grand Slam, too, for the career Grand Slam. So, Malcolm, I want to I want to give you some credit right now. Why? Because I reckon about four weeks ago on this show, mm-hmm. you said, Dust, I reckon it was when he first became the number one. Yeah. You said he is that, it's the first time for a long time yeah. that we've got a world number one who is significantly better than the rest yep. of the golfing community. Yeah, and the reasoning for that is quite often he wins the strokes gained driving stat. Yeah which is just power, accuracy, put it in the right spots where birdies are made from. Uh, we know he has come off a year where he was the best player for proximity to the hole mm-hmm. with wedges from 100 to 125 yards. Yep. So it's basically 90 metres to 115 metres. He's the best on tour. Yep. And we saw last week that before that last day, the very last day, he was, strokes gained, the best putter in a world golf championship event so he's the best driver we've seen he's statistically been the best wedge player on the pga tour where they are the best wedge players in the world and he has the capability of winning or leading i should say Mm. uh the strokes gained putting stat when the best players are around driving wedges putting he's got it all Mm. and he's that much better he's longer and the other thing that's really impressive about uh, Dustin, is that he's doing it all hitting fades off the tee. Yeah. So yeah, when, you, when you're hitting fades <laughs> off the tee, folks, um, and Lee Trevino coined this phrase a long time ago, uh, all the amateurs are trying to draw it and all the pros are trying to fade it. Yep. The reason the pros are trying to fade it is because the face stays squarer through impact. Um, you really do need to roll the club. Most people do. Yep. Need to roll the club face through impact to hit the draw. There are some pros that don't need to, mm-hmm. but most amateurs... 
they have to roll. And if you're rolling their club face, consistency goes out the window. Right. But if you're fading it, mm-hmm. and the you know basically you're trying to hold the club face open through impact, it stays square for a long, long time, mm. and that's where he gets the power and accuracy. And the new ball, you know, the TP5X Ooh. that he uses. Have been enjoying that ball too. I he and Johnny Rahm both used it last week. And we're both doing extraordinary things off the tee. Yep. Extraordinary how far they're hitting it. 380-yard drives. So it's a 350-meter drive. <laughs> it's no big deal. No. There's a couple of drives that went 400 meters, not yards, meters. 440 yards. Can, five. It can get windy in Austin. Hit yeah. a wedge in till par five. It can get windy in Austin, but not that windy. No. So, you know, the ball's helping both of them yep. significantly. And they're doing that, and they're still being able to spin the ball reasonably with a pitching wedge yep. and a lob wedge and their mid wedge or whatever wedges they're using. Oh, it's, just, it's just crazy. Mm. I know, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the what's in the bags. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of companies that come out and do them these days. And every once in a while, uh, the what with the what's in the bag, you also you get the um, how far they hit each club. Right. So Dustin's was next to it this week. I want you to have a listen in yards. I'll, put, I'll do my best. I'll put it in meters. Okay. But in meters, and this is not how far he can hit it. This is a normal swing, not trying to crunch it. Yep. Just a standard. Just a standard. Yep. Oh, where is it? Here we go. Oh, I've missed it. Oh, no. What is <laughs> going on? Out. It's going out. <laughs> Get away from me. Let's go one more go. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. He's driver, and this is just with a normal swing, not trying. This is the not trying 312 yards, which means he can step. This is the carry, too, not how far yeah. it finishes. Oh, it's, they're all carry. Be. They are carry yardages. Oh, God, it has gone ballistic, this thing. Apologies. <laughs> but it goes down. Like, he's two irons, 270 how, yards. How good was the um, the 3D tracking on some of the Dustin Johnson shots? Oh, just the, split, the split screen, the 3D brilliant. tracking. And Should Rahm. happen every tournament. And John Rahm's. Yep. I think, John, you know, seeing John Rahm hit the golf ball as well was... Everyone who's played with this kid, it's, it's, yeah. his, it's his rookie year. We saw him hole an eagle putt off the back of the 18th of Torrey Pines to win his first tournament in a rookie year. I think he's number 14 in the world now. All right. He's 22. Pretty handy. It's his first year. That doesn't happen to anybody. No. I remember when Martin Keimer was in the top 50 in the world and he was under 25. We were mm. jumping up and down about that one. Yep. John Rahm is, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, Dusty's four iron, just a smooth four iron, 236 yards. Yeah, sorry, say that again. <laughs> just a smooth four iron, 236 yards. Extraordinary. He's seven iron. Everyone says they hit their 7 iron, 150 metres. Uh, 200 the yards. definition of my 7 iron. <laughs> he hits his 7 iron, 180 metres. Yep. His pitching wedge, this is the one I don't get, 158 yards. So, 143 metres. For a wedge. For his pitching wedge. Which means, you know, he's only got two others. He's got a pitching wedge, which is about 47 degrees. He's got a 52 and a 58. Six degree gaps. So, he's got... A pitching wedge that goes 158. I imagine his 52 must go around 130. And his lob wedge, let's say it's 100, it's 100 yards. So he's got some big gaps in that pitching wedge, yeah. 52, 58. And he's still the best wedge player, considering proximity to hole on the US tour. He's got it all. How much does he win by this week? 
Well, just going on that and what we're talking about, <laughs> I mean, I would say he wins by 10 shots. Yeah. But it's Augusta. It and is. different things happened at Augusta, mm. mate. It's, it's a crazy world. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but later on in the show, I want to get your favourite Augusta moments, Marco. Yeah, I've got stacks of them. Yeah. I want I a mean, top five. I'll, I'll I, get a, yeah, I can get a top five. I want break. you to rank him. I'll, I'll get a top five going in, in the ad break. And yep. not the best things. The memorable stuff that, moments. The stuff, yeah, memorable moments. The yep. stuff where you stood up. Yep. You're in you your little yep. gym jams, having a Milo. <laughs> Early on. And your Vegemite toast. Mm. And you couldn't really eat it because you're nervous about the shark. And something happened and you had to jump up at six o'clock in the morning when you just couldn't believe what was going on. What's the, I should know this. What's the commentator's name? The famous commentator from Ooh. Augusta. The, There's the, a few. It's, it's the voice of Augusta. Oh. Again, when you, whenever you hear it, his voice on that Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning at 5am. Yeah. I'll look it up. I'll get it to you. Yeah, okay. I'll get it to you. Because there's a stack of them. I know who yep. you're talking about. He you don't hear him many, he used in to any be Fred Couple. He used to be Fred Couple's roommate at uh, Houston, University of Houston. Yeah. I'll get it I'll tick. Yeah. And we'll get his voice so you know who it is. I can tell you a nice story. I used to do the commentary for Channel 9 yeah. a long time ago yeah. for the US Masters. In 2002, I went over there and did it. And I'll tell you a story about this guy and how he starts his show and how it's done. Right. You won't believe it. All right, we'll talk about that. Right hey, good news too, Fox Sports, mm-hmm. dedicated Masters channel. This yeah, week. brilliant. How good. I think they did it last they year did, as well. and we were hoping they brought it back. And, and it's did. a winner because I'm pretty sure you get all the after commentary, which is on the Golf Channel, yep. and that's some of the best commentary you'll get. The analysis in the Golf Channel. Yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah, it's like it's like all the Fox footy shows that we see yeah. afterwards. They've got the war rooms. Stat- stuff they've going got with war Kingy. rooms. They've got stats. <laughs> they've got Kingy and... Kingy's equivalent, and, <laughs> you know, all the big guys from the NRL. They've got all the equivalents, yep. but it's just about the golf. And it is sensational the way they analyze it and they analyze swings and they do yep. everything. But uh, that's brilliant from Fox uh, Sports. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. It's, it's brilliant. 100%, Marco. Hey, we're going to get to a break because I want to get a few things from you. We're going to get your top five Masters yep. memorable moments. Yep. We're going to dial in the wedges. Yes. Tell people how to get it close. Yeah, this is selfishly for you, 100%. but that's okay. I, went, I need a lesson and I yeah. don't want to pay. No worries. So I'm coming to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I like it. <laughs> and, a, and a masterclass a little bit later on. Well. Can we hear from Brett Rumford also? We will, because you interviewed him during the week. Yeah, I like talking to Brett Rumford. He's a good talker. Sometimes drags the question out a little bit, but <laughs> he is a very good talker. Had a very interesting chat with him during the week as well. So I reckon our, our listeners should have a good uh, good dose of uh, Brett Rumford as well. Still plenty more to come on the Masterclass on the Clubhouse. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the Clubhouse. Yeah, you certainly are. It is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Great to have your company. If you do ever miss any of the show, you can always download the podcast. Just jump on iTunes and search for the Clubhouse Golf Podcast and we'll pop up and you can download every show. I like the way it comes up on Saturday morning too. Yes. So if you go to the little podcast app you have on your iPhone mm-hmm. or other device, yep. just uh, it'll just pop up on that. I, I never knew what it was for <laughs> until you actually told me it's to actually go to on iTunes. Your phone. <laughs> and you subscribe, you look, at, uh, you look us up, you yep. push the subscribe button and are. it magically gets delivered to that little podcast app. Every week. Genius. Every week, get your golf fix anytime across the weekend. That is it. So if you're missing the show on Saturday mornings, like it used to be here in Melbourne, that's right. It can be. That's right. You're in the car. In the just car, put just it through the phone. The way you go. Perfect. Hey, um, we were talking about the Masters, Mark. Mm-hmm. Our favourite commentators. Yes. Jim Nance was Jim the guy whose name Nance. we were talking about. He was Fred Couple's roommate at the University of Houston. Yep. When I was over doing um, the this work man, for Channel Nine. Yeah, go on. Third. 
Here we go. That's the voice. You, you recognise it in the background. Oh, yeah. It's the voice you wake up to. He does the Masters opener. Week. Yeah, he yep. does the opener. Yep. He also does the interviews. Uh, he helps out Hootie Johnson and yep. all the old Look names in the Butler cabin afterwards when yes. they're making the presentations. I was there one year, like I said, 2002, and he's doing his monologue to open yep. uh, the show. And most people, when they do that, just, are just reading it. Jim Nance didn't do it that way. No. He actually had somebody read it to him. So I'm sitting in the back watching the opener, just you know, just trying to be a sponge and learn as much as you can. You know, it's the first time I've ever done any golf commentary way back in 2002. Yep. And there was this bug. Like, you do it. I'll do it to you, and you be Jim Nance, all <laughs> okay. right? Yep. And the reason, and I asked why he did it. He goes, because he hates it when it, he sounds like he's reading something. So the terms, no one wants to be caught, heard, read. Yep. Like you're reading something. Mm-hmm. So he would say, like he'd have this guy reading it to him. He'd go, welcome to Augusta. And then you'd be going, and you would hear that. And you'd go, welcome to Augusta. Yeah. And nice. then here we are in the fourth round where Greg Norman leads by six shots. Here we are in the fourth round where Greg Norman leads by six shots. Jack Nicholas <laughs> chasing on 13. And he would, he, would just, he would just repeat what he'd heard. Yeah. But he did it in such a fashion that it just sounded brilliantly natural. Mm. Just one of the extremes they go to, Good I guess. And that's Augusta. why it sounds great. That's why they're the best. It, it is, and you know, if anyone stumbles a word over there, they get smashed <laughs> by this guy. They call him some. They call him a Nazi or something. I don't know. He's pretty famous. Yeah. But the guy who's the executive producer of the Masters, if someone makes a mistake, he'll get it in their ear. What are you doing? <laughs> this is the U.S. Masters. Stop <laughs> making mistakes. <laughs> Off. Uh, so only the guys who don't make mistakes right. are left commentary, uh, left commentating there That's at Augusta. Fair. So it's brilliant. It's great. a brilliant commentary. They do a great job. Hopefully, Marco, this year we can add another memorable moment to the list because in the ad break I put oh, you yep. to task, and I said I want my five or your five most memorable moments. Yep. Not the best shots or you know yeah. biggest things, but the ones that stick in your mind where you go, yeah, that's right. That right. The master. Well, I've been probably watching the master. The first one I ever watched was when Ben. Uh, Crenshaw hold the massive putt on the 10th to yes. go on to win it. So that's like early 80s, yep. early 80s. So here are my top five. Stand up in your gym jams, spill your Milo and <laughs> toast on the floor because you just can't believe what you just saw. Yep. Right. So at number five, Nick Price. I think it was 1986. Uh-huh. He had a putt on the last to shoot 62. Ooh. An unheard of score. Hits the putt. Full horseshoe, more than more than 180 degrees, probably 200 degree horseshoe, and tapped in for a 63, which is a course record. But it's the biggest horseshoe you've ever seen, and that sort of stuff wasn't done not long after they started lengthening the golf course. Same year, Jack Nicholas wins in 1986. Right. So Greg Norman out of the tournament and in the last group, birdies. 14, 15, 16. 17 to get tied for the lead with Jack. Hits a drive down 18. It's okay. And then shanks it in the crowd. Stand-up moment. I couldn't believe it. Broke my heart. Made bogey. Jack Nicholas wins at the age of 47 in 1986. Ridiculous. Nice. Three. Good good start to your list, Marco. Another one. Shark. Starts with whatever it was, 1997. I think it was like a six or seven shot lead. He's going to be the first Australian ever to win a green jacket. Gets to the ninth hole. Nick Feldo, his playing partner, is going uh. ballistic, and he's making one mistake after another. He's hit a bomb down the ninth 
All he has to do is not leave it short. And he juiced it off the front of that green. <laughs> oh, disgraceful. Yep. Never forgetting that. Yep. Number two. Mm-hmm. Last year. Last year? Jordan Spieth at oh, the 12th. Yeah. <laughs> the meltdown was something to behold. And this goes, you know, one of the toughest 22-year-olds in the world of sport. Mentally, no golfer has ever been as tough as this kid. Yeah. Even though he's failed at Augusta, he was going to win when he was 21 years old and something happened on the back nine. This one, though, I didn't expect it. The no. meltdown, Jordan, last year, number 12. The best thing about that was the week prior, they showed the documentary about him winning yeah. an early Masters, and he said... I just aimed it at the bunker because I knew that I didn't want to spin off the front. And yeah. I said, I just aimed at the bunker. It was the smartest thing I ever did. Yeah. Sure enough, he blocks it. He hits it to the right, yeah. straight off the front. We've seen it a hundred times. Can't believe it. And number one for the stand-up in your living room moments at five o'clock in the morning, Tiger's chip on ah, 16. Yes. Had nowhere to go, couldn't go at the pin, decided to go up the tier and roll it back. Nike sign perfectly poised as it... Falls in the hole. Well done. How good. Sound effects as well. I'm impressed with you. Production on the fly there. (laughs) I'm impressed with you. I'm very impressed with you, the way you're going. Uh, A couple of unlucky to miss, I reckon. Yeah, what have you got? What are yours? Adam Scott's win and the the leash photo with the fist bump in the background. Yeah, the leashman, yeah. They were great, but none none as good as those. Bubba's shot out of the pine straw. Yeah, I was kind of cheering for the other guy. So, <laughs> it didn't make it. I was cheering for Oosthausen that year. Yep. Um, it's funny, when we take people every year, and if, you, if you're keen to go in 2018, um, just go to chasingbirdies.com.au, and we're mm-hmm. happy to take you, because that one's going to be a cracking tri- trip. Yep. But on the Wednesday, we always go on the Wednesday, and you're allowed to take your cameras, and you know, people, there's so many people go through the gates just to look at the golf course. Mm. And one of the great things they do is they will put a little flag where all the great stuff has happened. Yeah. So, for instance, Phil Mickelson's shot on 13th hole when he was up against... Well, he's up in the pine straw. Yeah. And he had to um, make a, an abbreviated follow-through mm-hmm. and hit that six iron to four feet. Yep. He missed the putt, by the way. There is a little flag there that yeah. shows you where... And you, you get behind it, and you can see he's got to go through, like, the goals. Mm. A little two-foot gap. There's another one where Tiger chips in. There's yep. a little flag. And you get there, you go, oh, no wonder he couldn't go at the hole. <laughs> he just, you know, he was off a down slope. He had to land the ball on a down slope. It was just going to go down to the front of the 16th. And you can see the shot. Yeah. And they also do it where Bubba hit that big pitching wedge hook. Yep. It is pretty breathtaking. When, yeah. you, when you get down there, I mean, if Bubba was a right-hander, can't, can't get anywhere near it. Yeah. But the left-handed toe hook with a wedge... It was one of the most brilliant shots yeah. we'll ever see. But unfortunately, we'll never make my list because I was cheering for Louis Oosthuis. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Charles Schwartzel making four birdies coming home to win. Yeah. Again, I was cheering for the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely sensational. If, if Arnold Palmer did that, yeah, it's one, two, three, four, and five on the list. Mm. Every birdie <laughs> would have counted. Uh, there's only four of them, excuse me. We would have found something else. But, yeah. But, you know, these guys, you know, the Shark... Yep. Jordan Spieth, That's a good Tiger. List. That's a good list. They're the big names in golf, and they're yeah. the ones where, you know, genuine, you're jumping up and down in the living room. Is the Tiger chip the greatest shot in the history of golf, do you think? Right. No. Adam's, Adam there's, Scott, there's a, in the feature that you see on the PGA yeah. Tour website, says it's the best shot ever. Yeah. I think it's the greatest captured shot ever, but 
I also think there is too much luck involved. You reckon? With the shot. You reckon? Yeah. Because you're just hitting it up a tier and hoping. You've got no idea where it's going to finish. You've got none. You've got some. Yeah. But it's not going to do that. Yeah. But the way you hit the shot was pretty cool. I mean, you can see the ball gripping on the way up the tier. And, you know, it was, it was brilliant. You can see him look at the line of where he needs to bring that ball down. Yeah. And where it needs to stop at the top of the hill. Yeah. Where he needs to chip it into. Yeah. Where he needs to spin it. Yeah. Check it. Yeah. To yeah. hit it from there. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. I think the total package of it makes it the best shot ever. I think, yeah, well, the coverage of it was just Phenomenal. unbelievable. Yeah. It makes but, it, it's in our opener. See, I, I think <laughs> someone like, you won't believe this, Sean McKeel hit a seven iron on, in a PGA somewhere. Yeah. And he, hit it to, he needed a birdie on the last and hit it to two feet. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Jason Day's two major. iron last year. It's pretty handy. The two iron last year didn't win the tournament though. No. I think it's got to win. I think yeah, the tor- I think you've actually got to win. That just popped in, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think it was phenomenal. Yeah. Pretty good. Jack Nicholas's. Yeah, I always remember this one. Jack mm. Nicholas when he won Augusta in 1986, he shot 30 on the back nine with a bogey. Mm. I mean that was ridiculous. So I always think of his. I think it was a five iron. On the 16th hole that he hit the two feet, almost went in. Yeah. I always think that's probably the greatest shot that I've ever seen yeah. in that situation because he'd birdied, he just eagled 13. Excuse me, he just eagled 15th. He'd eagled 15. So, and the, the crowd was going crazy. Yeah. So to be able to settle yourself down enough to then stiff the next shot. And then, I mean, even Jack, his hands would have been shaking yeah. for him to hold that putt. I think that just that... Eagle, five iron, then nail it. That sequence yep. would be hard to do physically, let alone you know, mentally yeah, as well. That's fair. So I think that's probably my greatest shot ever. Yep. Jack's, Jack's uh, five iron to Very 16. Good. Very good. Uh, we're going to get to a break. going to come back. We're going to yeah. hear from Brett Rumford. Yeah, hear from Rummy. And we're going to hear from you. So wedges. I can fix my wedge game. It's really simple to fix your wedges, folks. All right. A lot of it, uh, most of it, you won't need to change your swing. Most of it. Nice. Yeah, have, oh, we'll do it on the other side. A break. Wedge game next. This is the clubhouse right around us. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. There it is. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're number one. <laughs> Tiger is. chip. Well, it is number one. It yep. was a joke. It was Absolutely a crazy, sensational. crazy, crazy shot. Now, well, now first right. of all, we're going to talk about your wedge game, yep. which a lot of people can't hit their wedges. It's so frustrating, too, when oh. you finally start hitting the driver reasonable. Yeah. And you're finding yourself in situations where you're hitting more and more wedges and mm-hmm. half wedges into holes. A lot of times, you know, also, if you're hitting a bad shot, if you can just chip out to where you've got a half wedge in yeah. or a, you know, something, down. to get up and down from inside 100 yards isn't that tough for most. You know, yeah. you've got to hold apart. You've still got to hit it somewhere, you know, 10 feet. But it keeps the momentum going in the round. So they're unbelievably important. One, to keep a score going, but two, to build a score. Because, yep. you know, if you're a weekend warrior and you have two birdies around, they help so much. Mm. And then if you're a weekend warrior and you don't have wedge in your hand and you end up making double, if you stop doing that twice around. Makes so sense. if you make two birdies and then eliminate two double bogeys from wedge play, mm-hmm. that's a six-shot swing. All of a sudden, you're laughing. 70, yeah, so you're 85, turns into a 79, mm-hmm. and we've got a smile on the face. Yep. Very All right. Good. So just tell me what you normally do. What What's the issue you have with the wedges? The issue is I've got no consistency, right. Marco. So... I'm either left, right, long, yep. or I'm right. hitting it fat. So with I'm pretty 
with a seven iron to a four iron to a seven iron, pretty happy with it. Yep. Pretty happy with it. Yep. And even probably an eight iron to an extent. Yeah. But as soon as they get a little bit more angle on it, yes, I can't get the distance control right. Yep. And when I get down to within, say, 70 meters, 60, 70 meters, and I've got the loft wedge out or yep. whatever it is, probably 40% of the time I'm hitting him fat yep. and hitting it 15 meters you up. You are a stereotypical weekend warrior who doesn't know what they're doing. That is distance exactly control. right. So distance control, uh, a lot of pros have problems with distance control as well. But I think more and more are understanding how to do it. And you're lucky because I was a very good wedge player. And I was a very bad one when I was an amateur mm-hmm. and became a very good one, yep. in my view anyway, yep. um, when, I, when I turned professional um, and going through college in America. So a lot of people try and judge how hard to hit the ball. That's what they do. Yep. That's a mistake. So if you've got a, any kind of wedge or nine iron or sand wedge and you're trying to judge how hard to hit it, I almost guarantee you can't play wedges. The best players in the world do this very naturally. Or I should say the best wedge players in the world do this very naturally. As you would understand, I'm going to go take it a long way back. Yeah. If you've got a short putt, yeah. you just need a short backswing, don't you? Well... Yes, you do. Well, it depends how short. If you have, well, if you have a three-foot putt, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you should have the three-foot equivalent backswing, which is, you know, let's just say it's three inches. Yep, yep, yep. If you have a 60-foot putt, you can't have that three-inch backswing, no. can you? You need a, let's say, a 60-incher. Right? Mm-hmm. We're just throwing numbers out there. So for long putts, you need long backswings. For short putts, you need short backswings. It's exactly the same for wedges and nine-irons mm-hmm. and even a five-iron if you want to hit a half-five-iron. So the trick is, and this might sound silly, but I promise you it works beautifully, you don't judge how hard to hit the golf ball. You judge the backswing length to get the golf ball to go the distance you want. Right. And you want a consistent, I'm going to call it acceleration. Mm -hmm. You want a very consistent and natural acceleration through the ball. So let's say you take the club back 40 degrees, then you consistently just go through the ball with that nice consistent acceleration and the ball will go, let's say, goes 40 metres. Mm-hmm. If you take it back 42 degrees and you go through with the consistent acceleration, it's going to go a little bit further. And you will be amazed how simple it is to pick up what length backswing is needed to go how far mm-hmm. with every club in the bag. So what I imagine most people do is they take a full swing and then they... Because it's a, you're trying to take a little bit off the shot. Yeah, you're actually slowing down as you're going through. That the consistent ball. acceleration is gone. Yeah, and to be a consistent player, everything needs to be consistent: grip pressure, grip, golf clubs, the lot. But if you're only changing one thing and trying to hit the wedges different lengths, it's really handy just to do that with backswing length. Backswing length is the key. Is the absolute key. Right, okay. And by the way, it's exactly the same with chipping. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same with putting. If you've got no idea, no idea with your distance control in chipping and putting, again, do exactly the same thing. I promise you the best players in the world do it naturally. Just a short chip is a short backswing. A Mm. longer chip is a longer backswing. A long chip is a really long backswing. But you'll judge it very naturally, very quickly. Um, the other things I want you to do with wedges is just grip down the club just a fraction mm-hmm. because when you hit a full wedge, um, centrifugal force straightens out a few angles. 
But when you're hitting a half wedge, you're not accelerating the club's not going as fast at impact. Mm-hmm. You, and you're doing that because of your shortening your backswing. Yep. Uh, the lie angle may not be suitable for that shot. So any kind of half shot, any kind of half shot, you go down the shaft a little bit, one, because it just helps take a little bit off the ball, but two, it helps flatten the lie of the golf club, which is required when you don't have as much club head speed. Yep. So there's two reasons to grip down when you're hitting a half shot. It takes a little bit of club head speed away, just a tiny bit, unnoticeable, mm-hmm. but two, it will help flatten the lie of the club and you won't even notice it. So a lot of people, when they take these great big divots, it's because they're taking a big long swing, decelerating. Yeah. That centrifugal force doesn't straighten out a few of the angles, and the angles are between your arms and your, and and the shaft, and you end up the heel of the club digs in so much, and yeah. you don't know where it's coming from. Where good wedge players, they take really thin divots, yep. very thin divots, and that's because the club meets the sole of the club meets the ground perfectly. There's acceleration through. Um, and you just take these beautiful thin, thin divots naturally because of the acceleration. But yeah, if you if you are not judging backswing length, have you ever tried to judge backswing no, length? No, I think that's I think the problem was yeah. that I was probably decelerating through the ball too yeah. much when I was yeah. trying not to hit a full swing, yeah. rather than accelerating through it and you know, yeah. hitting through the ball and yeah. taking that divot. So. Yeah, that's good. Do it. Well, you've, you've got to try it, folks. And yeah. the best place to try it is actually on the driving range before you play. If you if you don't have that facility available, you know wherever you play, or you just couldn't be bothered going down, that's fine as well. But again, it sounds like it might be hard to. I promise it's not. Mm. It's just not. It's really natural. Like yep. for instance, if I'm throwing a piece of paper in that rubbish bin that's over in the corner, then just very naturally your arm goes back this far. Yeah. If I'm just trying to throw the bit of paper into that coffee cup, it's just a flick of the finger. Yeah. So the backswing length mm. with throwing is like that. It just comes really naturally. Because we've got a golf club in the hand, things don't come as natural. Yep. But uh, folks, again, whatever the shot, whether it's a putt, whether it's a chip, whether it's a bunker shot, whether it is a half wedge, whether it's a half five iron, whether you're trying to hit a three-wood low, whatever it is, match the backswing to the shot that you want to play. Nice. I like it. Easy. Good. It's really easy fix. Good. And check, very important, check your lies on those wedges too. Yeah. Just off the rack. The wedges, if you've got a one or two degrees wrong with the lie upright or flat mm-hmm. of your wedge, um, well, there's a reason for it, but the wedges will make you look a fool faster than the three irons and the drivers and everything else. You can actually play with a driver that might be four degrees wrong and still hit the ball reasonably well as far as lie. You cannot even come close to hitting a wedge that is four degrees wrong. You'll just look like an idiot. You'll go either go right or left. Yep. So get the wedge lies checked. That's very, mm-hmm. very important. Okay. Thanks, Marco. No worries. I'll Pleasure. I'll report back next week. Pleasure, dude. I will report back yeah. next week. Hey, um, during the week, you had a chat with... Uh, Brett Rumford, that's right. And uh, Brett Rumford just won the World Super 6 in Perth. Yes. He had a five-shot lead going into <laughs> the third day, but then it, it gets thrown into it's the six-hole match play, as we yeah. remember. Um, he'd been hurt before and lost his European Tour Cup. Multiple winner in the European yeah. Tour. Um Beat uh, Craig Spence as an amateur in the Players' Championship at Royal Queensland a long time ago. Yeah, uh, Sparky took the cash, but Rummy took the trophy. Uh, and we've also seen him win last week. But uh, I think one of the questions we asked him Did was... Did you ask him one question here? Yeah. And he speaks for... He gives a brilliant answer. Yeah, it goes for about six minutes, yeah. but it's worth listening to. <laughs> we said, uh, what happened in the last couple of years with your body? Let's yeah. take a listen. And this is what we got. Wow, mate, it's been... Uh, <laughs> it's been pretty hard, mate. It's... Look, you know, I tried to come back and play after my surgery. Um, 
you know, it was really, really tough. I think that surgery in the abdomen region, you know, it really affected my immune system badly as well as losing near on 12 kilos, 11 kilos I lost after surgery after about six days because uh, pretty much I was on I had about five tubes hanging out of me and, yeah, look, I was, I was in a really bad way over in South Africa, but it was just such a, a long road. I, I tried to come back and play after three months, which was was absolutely ridiculous um, with me even thinking that. Um, but I tried, you know, I, I at least tried. You know, I, I, I had an injury. I tried to come back, and then at the, the Open Championship, I saw the doctor, and it was, you know, the Open being the Open around St Andrews, I've been trying to get into that one for years, and it still wasn't smart me playing in the Open Championship. So I decided to play because it was the Open. I gave myself six weeks after playing two events in Europe, which I, I knew I was coming back way too soon for, but I thought I'd give it a crack. So um, I got shingles off the back of after the Open Championship. I went home and copped a really, really bad virus uh, and went downhill quite a bit and uh, and shingles sort of set in and, and obviously I was out for, for another six weeks there on oxycodone and Lyrica and that was probably more painful than um, the actual surgery, so the, the, abdominal, the abdominal obstruction, but Look, I mean, the whole year was just basically I had large, large um, times spent on the couch, literally just doing nothing, just sitting there, just doing nothing. And it was kind of great to get away from the game, to be able to sit down on the couch and, and not be driven back to the game um, and be just forced just to just have a break because I've been going at this for such a long while. So that was the only real positive that I took out of it. I could spend time with family and just, just do some normal stuff back here. But, I mean, the whole time I was training, I was just, I was just purely focusing on the body just getting it back into a shape where I could uh, where I could compete again. Um, I can remember hitting my first balls in Europe. Uh, my swing speed was at uh, 101 mile an hour compared to normally 113 to 115 when I'm swinging it Jeez. at my best. So um, yeah, look, there was there was a lot of there's a lot of um, sort of side effects that came with the surgery. But uh, last year, I mean, I came back and it was just a, it was just a real tough road. I it was just tough. I tried to win early. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, I got myself in position, but nothing really happened. And um, my girls started school full-time last year uh, and just spent too much time over in Europe just trying to, to lock away my card. And just, uh, I really just didn't uh, enjoy my time in Europe at all last year. and sort of just fell out of love with the game a little bit um, with the amount of time that I, was, that I had away from the family. This year would be a whole lot different. Um, and obviously, just after missing my tour card, I just had to, yeah, just regroup. I... Um, uh, just started seeing Gary Barter over in Sydney, which basically got my game back on track. And then mentally, I was just I was just in just better shape this year as well. Just uh, after losing my card, it sort of took a lot of the pressure off, and I was just taking each week, you know, as it came. But um, really focusing on because I my my opportunities were limited, I guess, and my scheduling was going to be all over the place. So I was really just every time I was, I was entering, uh, my whole mindset was just purely on winning. And of course, you know, you can. You can think that, but um, I think that's probably the reason why, you know, the win maybe did come about in, in Perth. I mean, I was playing good, I was putting well, but, I mean, you never know re- as to the reasons why you do win, but um, I was just I was just had a real thirst for, uh, for playing well and getting myself in contention to, to win a golf championship to get my card back. There he is, Marco. He's good a good man. On the way back. He's a good man. Yeah, a good lad, Brett Rumford, and uh, I think we're going to get him back on. He wants to start a short game. You know, he's legendary with his mm. short game. We, he wants to start a short game academy when he's done playing professional golf. Nice. That'd be worth going to. Absolutely. That would be worth going to that. and learning from one of the greats of all time. Even better than Peter Fowler. Really? Some say better than Sev. 
Ooh. I'm not going that far. Jeepers. But he's one of the greatest ever short game exponents. So keep your keep your eye open for uh, that academy that he may one day set up, Brett Rumford's Short Game Academy. We're going to get a break. Proper masterclass. Yeah. Don't get out of the car. It's coming next. Marco's Masterclass. Time to get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen, all thanks to Club Mandalay. Hit the golf course, play golf at Club Mandalay, clubmandalay.com.au. And as always, mm. save 10% when using the code CMGOLF. Now, Jules, in your operation in the media, plagiarism is frowned upon. It is. Plagiarism in school is frowned upon. Well, absolutely it is. But when we here at the clubhouse want to help our listeners and our fellow golfers, Plagiarism is very, very acceptable. Tick. Tick. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't be scared to plagiarize. Now, Gary Edwin, I saw it on the golf show, the new golf show this week. He's a legendary coach. Yes. Taught a lot. You know, Paul Gowd, um, uh, he taught uh, so many of our Australian players. Rod Pampling, um, Peter Lonard, all these types. Mm-hmm. When you don't know when the ball is going, when it goes left with the big hook, right, it's all because the arms are trailing behind the body. Yep. All because, and even when sometimes he's hitting the badly. His way of explaining how to keep the arms in front of the body was very, very different to anything I've ever heard. Right. Because we always hear about you want the arms to stay in front of the body. His was simple. Fast arms through the ball. Brilliant. So good. And, you know, you know, coaches are always looking for new ways to explain what they're trying to do. So not fast hands through the ball. Fast not arm. fast motion through the ball. Just fast arms through the ball. You can do it in the car right now. Make your arms go past your body quickly. Yep. And what that's going to do is it's going to get your arms in front of your body. One, gets the arms in front of the body. Two, because it's moving fast, the ball goes further. Mm. I had to go to it last week. I'd never heard of it. I've been around Gary Edwin for a long time. I had never driven the ball better <laughs> in my entire life. Slow arms going back. Yep. Fast arms nice. going through. Arms will stay in front of the body. You'll hit the ball better. How good. And further. How good. Yeah, it's a nice Simple. one. Simple. Nice. Gary Edwin. Sorry for pinching your tip. Hey, as long as you give attribution, it's hey, not plagiarism. Hey, plagiarism <laughs> is a good thing in the world of golf. That's it. Fast arms through the ball, folks. It works. Good luck having your 40 points when you, once you get out of the car. Yep. Easy. Good Easy. on you, Jules. Hey, um, we'll see you next week. We'll be on... Midst of the Masters. Yeah, it's going to be good fun. Looking, Looking forward, forward to it. it. Hopefully we can get an Australian win. That's it. Although I'm thinking, mm. there's a couple of names I like. Dustin Johnson, clearly. Yep. Rory McIlroy. I like the way he's hitting his wedges lately. Mm-hmm. And if you want a long shot, Thomas Peters. Around Ooh. 50 bucks. Played well last year. Playing a little bit of good golf at the moment. A um, bit like Danny Willett coming from the clouds last uh, yes. year. Maybe Thomas Peters will do it uh, this week at Augusta. We'll record that. Play that back in a couple of weeks. We'll see how we go. <laughs> maybe, see you, we w- maybe we will play it. Maybe we maybe won't. Maybe we won't. <laughs> <laughs> see you, buddy. See you, mate.